When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome back into another live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast right here on the CLNS Media Network. Brian Hines and Alex Barth, as always, joined by a very special guest that everyone here should be very familiar with, Evan Lazar from Patriots.com. He is our eyes and ears in Wisconsin and Green Bay these last few days. So, Evan... Even though you took your CLNS debut with Taylor last night that we're not salty about, but <laughs> well, welcome back to the Patriots beat here. Uh, thank you. It's like riding a bike. You just, it, I right back into the restream studio and everything. <laughs> I, I know where all the buttons are. And know how to log. I think I still have the login, you know, the, the login to the, to the host chair. If I, if I wanted to hijack this whole thing, but now back and, uh, I would have done your Patriots beat first, all right? But Taylor, uh, you had a, the schedule just worked out that way. So it wasn't anything personal with anybody, all right? All right. Hey, Evan. Hi, again. <laughs> yeah, a long time, no talk. <laughs> there you go. It was funny. Brian was saying before we came on, he was like, so you guys are doing three podcasts today. Like, isn't it going to get yeah. repetitive? So we, we did yes. catch 22 on Patriots.com. That's up. People can go check that out. We're going to do... Sports Hub Patriots podcast after this. It's going to be about three hours when it's all said and done. Um, it, it's all going to be different stuff. Like we just, ha- I was telling Brad, like we just have that ability that we'll have a totally, there'll be some overlap, obviously the big stories, but like, it's going to be a different conversation. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, I know that Brian wants to ask me a bunch about hunters and kickers here in a second and uh you know, there, there are some developments there. So I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's some things have been happening here in green Bay and the, the state of Wisconsin, which uh, I will tell you, uh, look, Lambo's awesome. It's a, it's a lifetime to come here to Lambo. I'm not really the biggest fan of Green Bay proper. It's a whole lot of like breweries and pubs. Like every menu is the same. Uh, but yeah, it that, sounds that's... fun. Doesn't sound like your kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got plenty that we can we can spread it around and make sure it's not too repetitive for people. All right, we'll we'll definitely get into the special teams there, but oh, I know. Well, I got to start because me and Alex were just saying we were jealous because it sounded like the greatest practice of all time today. So, <laughs> like the offense was cooking, defense was good, high energy, high intensity. Just you know, what'd you see f- from the top there? Yeah, look, I- I've been covering the team uh, full time since 2019. I- I've been to every joint practice that there has been to to go to since then. And this was the best practice I've ever been to, I would say, for the Patriots in training camp, certainly in joint practices. And I mentioned to Alex earlier that, yeah, there was a lot of skirmishes, a lot of dust-ups, but it wasn't anything like last year against Carolina or what we heard and saw from the Jets and the Bucks. Like, it, this wasn't uh, that type of practice. It was uh, highly competitive. It was feisty. Uh, there was a juice from both sidelines. I've never really seen 
at the end of 30 minutes or so, uh, there was, you know, each team's on their, their sideline. And then you have like a back and forth offense defense, and you kind of go through it almost like it's a game. And uh, the Patriots would make a big play and their sideline, and then the Packers would make a play and their sideline would clear. And, and I've never really seen that before. It was all like they had just won the you know freaking Super Bowl or something like that. So that was the the energy. Um, I think that you could see from the Patriots and the Packers, but uh, things for the Patriots because there there was a lot of good uh, out there today. But just in general, it was it was a ton of fun. Like the energy out there was just off the charts. And I I've seen some people that say that like this is the real this is the real show in in training camp, not preseason games, but because it's not on TV, a lot of the uh, the the personality of the players come through even more. They aren't, you know, they know that they're not on camera. So it, it, it's a it's a really fun atmosphere in here, uh, especially in a place like Green. I, I think even more than that, you talk about the value of the joint practices. Uh, you know, you do something in a preseason game that's on tape. You do something in a joint practice that's not on tape. Yeah. So. I know you can't get into specifics about formations and schemes, but like, let's compare it to last year. <clears throat> like what is, and again, I know you have to be vague, but what are you learning about this offense? That's different under Bill O'Brien than it was under Matt Patricia. Well, I think in the baseline, like just from a, a ground level standpoint, the procedural elements are just so much cleaner. Like you don't see, play calls getting called in super late or uh you know false starts or pre-snap penalties or uh, mac jones looking at the sideline and being like what are we doing right like there's not like, there's none of that going on and that, i know that that's like elementary and and that's the ground uh, that's not really necessarily setting a high bar uh for the offense as a whole but uh, that's how you start to build upon things and and, and become that next level and i think the other thing you know, to, to speak to the next level, uh, the, the timing in the passing game has, I think, passing day, uh, even the practices that you guys saw in Foxborough, we were already starting to see the, the arrow pointing upward on those types of things. So just watching Mac Jones uh, go through this offense and uh, hit those throws with timing, with anticipation, uh, knowing where to see, like there's not these moments where, uh, he's throwing the ball and there's just nobody there and everybody's looking at each other. Like who is, who is supposed to be there. Right. You know, there wasn't that type of uh, dynamic at all. And I think that that's just been a, a real breath of fresh air. The, the scheming and stuff like that is, is certainly more advanced. I mean, there's more motion involved in this offense. There's more RPOs involved in this offense. And uh, there's a lot more tricks to the trade, even in just like playing 11 personnel when they're playing straight up. Uh, you see option routes, you see releases, bunches, stacks, things like that. So uh, there's so much more graduate level stuff from that element of it too. I wanted to talk Mac real quick because, you know, we're not there obviously, but there was that one play going around Twitter, the touchdown to Bourne. And I think you yeah. and Taylor were kind of tweeting about it. It looked like he had a lot of good throws with anticipation throughout really both practices. And that's how he wins. Right. And also what we saw here a lot of command at the line of scrimmage, something he didn't have last year back with Bill O'Brien. Is that something you're still seeing out in Green Bay against a different defense? You know, we saw that a lot, but it could be easy when you're going against 
you know, the same Patriots defense for two weeks. Are you still seeing that type of stuff at the, the that command at the line of scrimmage? And, and is he still, you know, those anticipatory passes or those? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, no, the, 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 just the, to piggyback on that. Yeah. If when he is making the changes at the line of scrimmage, like they were working in Foxborough, yeah. he was making the right changes. Is that still the case? Is he reading the Green Bay defense as efficiently as he was reading the Patriots yep. defense, which obviously he was familiar with? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I haven't seen quite as many uh, checks or, or audibles or play changes quite as much at the line of scrimmage than what we saw back at home. I don't think that that's necessarily about maybe him knowing the defense better or anything like that. Maybe that they wanted to run practice where they didn't want to have him kind of taking over if you will as much in these practices as as back home but i wouldn't say i've seen uh as much of that uh out here but not in like a negative sense it just it hasn't been as prevalent i think the biggest thing is is what brian you were getting at was just the throws of the anticipation have really been improving yesterday it was more like deep outs to the sideline that he was throwing with anticipation and one of the cool things about some of these places is that you guys get to actually stand at field level like you know not on on the sideline but kind of back off the sideline and so i i was standing right in front of the throw he made to Kayshawn booty on the deep out yesterday so the ball was coming right at me and when you see the ball come out of his hand and you're looking at booty and he just runs right into it because you know of that anticipation i'm like that's a good throw i mean <laughs> that's a pretty darn good throw right there and then the one to to born was uh, exactly on time you know they run that little inside hitch and then the dig behind it and born shook jair alexander and as soon as he got his eyes back the ball was on him so those are the types of plays that I, I think that we're seeing more and more from Mac. And then Alex, something that we talked about on catch 22, like the trust throws, like just throwing them yeah. around Devonte Parker around Hunter Henry and just trusting uh, receivers are going to make those uh, contested catches or those catches outside their frames that, and, you know, put it in the catch. As I go make a play. Uh, those are things that I think we've also saw over the last couple of days as well, but certainly, uh, especially today. So, so there's a lot of positives from Mac. I, I said to this, we we always joke, Alex and I, about the the best practice Mac Jones has ever had that we've obviously been able to see. Not not that we don't get to see the regular season ones, but the uh, the first practice against the, the since his rookie year is like the pinnacle. That's the standard for Mac Jones that he's always trying to beat. I, I thought today was right up there with it. I, I, I'm not sure if I'm ready to put it over it yet, but I, I thought today was in the conversation as one of the better Mac Jones I've ever seen. Uh, the ball did not touch the ground a whole lot, and there weren't a whole lot of passes that uh, could have been intercepted or were intercepted. Uh, it was a really impressive showing. It just, he seems really confident and like he knows exactly where he needs to go with the football. And since he, you know, mobile second reaction play, you know, playground football quarterback, uh, he's got to be on time. And that's certainly what we're seeing. All right. So talk to me about the receivers then. Where is, I I thought before Mike Kosicki got hurt, he was a guy that Mac had developed excellent chemistry with. I, I think Hunter Henry's a guy we know he has excellent chemistry with. Kendrick Bourne, you know, it was there two years ago. Last year, he didn't play a lot. Devontae Park was in and out of the lineup there first year working together. 
Where's his chemistry at specifically with the guys at the wide receiver position and who stood out in that regard? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Devontae Parker has been uh, quietly having a good summer. I don't even know if it's quietly anymore at this point. I think he looks improved. Uh, it looks a little bit more explosive coming off the line of scrimmage and able to get some vertical separation, which is something that uh, we always talk about with him is, is separation. He's always down near the bottom of the league and like ne- next gen stats and things like that when it comes to that. And I, I think that he's done a little bit more of that. Uh, but in terms of like chemistry and uh, who he throws the best ball to in that respect, it's a comp between Hunter Henry and Kendrick Bourne. Like I think both those guys, Henry caught a seam pass today where he was. And as soon as he kind of came out, it was just like right in his hand, it almost caught him, you know? And, and those are the types of plays that you see a lot with Hunter Henry and, and with Kendrick Bourne, which makes sense because he's played so much football with those two guys. But I've liked what I've seen out of all the receivers as well and uh, i think the big one uh booty i i mentioned this uh on our other show too i i am meeting some crow a little bit out here in green bay with booty i i haven't really been on the booty train brian i i've uh i understand he's had some good like one hand he he's underselling this he doesn't even like tomorrow douglas who we're gonna get to but Uh, that's 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 saying (laughs) that's being a little bit a little bit we'll get to that but continue on Keyshawn booty I wasn't super like impressed with his tape against the Texans either. Uh, got a couple opportunities against off coverage. When he gets man coverage or press, it's been difficult for him to get off of it. Uh, but he's been really good uh, in both of these practices. Uh, I think the biggest thing that you see uh, with him is the hands and the body control. Like he's a smooth guy and he's got great hands, strong hands. Uh, so those are things that I, I've been impressed with with Keishon Booty, but I I like Douglas. I I just like today Douglas had eight catches again, right in practice. Which, yeah, that sounds like a lot. Seven of them were from Bailey Zappi. All right. Okay. No, but but and here's I, what I want to do. He's got to do it with Mac Jones against the good against the number one corners of the on the other team. That's all I'm saying. He does. He does. But when when we were on catch twenty two last week, you kept saying it's too early to know. It's too early to know. It's too early to know. You now have like four weeks of practices, a game, two joint practices. I'm not going to let you say it's too early. You don't have to tell me he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. All I am saying is, do you believe at this point he's a contributing NFL wide receiver? Yes or no? Yes, but I I think that he's a contributing NFL wide receiver in a certain role. Like That's fine. I'm not ready to I'm not even saying you have to say he's a wide receiver one, but is he a guy you can put on the field for call it like 30 snaps a game and he'll make you better in those 30 snaps. So I, I, yeah, be that? I, I understand what you're asking about like snap counts, but I know that there's going to be certain types of routes and certain types of plays that I think he's going to be helpful on. If that makes sense. Like he's definitely okay. the guy that separates at the first and second level, the most consistently his route running at the first level, especially, you know, juke routes, whip routes, like things like that slants, like that, he's the best route runner that they have in terms of dynamic routes at the first level. And I also think, you know, they've tried a little bit of throwing screens to Taekwon uh, and a little bit to Juju. I think they routinely look the best when they throw them to Demario Douglas because he's got some wiggle and, and he's got that burst as well. So I think if you're going to talk about him as like uh, having a certain package of routes where he's running, you know, the, the number three spot and empty or he's running screens or he's running jet sweeps, like... I can talk to those things. I, I just don't know if I'm ready to 
to be all hyped up about either one of the rookies. It's it's just a little too early. I, uh, until that last part, that was good. That was a definitive answer. You <laughs> had me until that last part. Almost you were so close of. to sticking the landing. Real quick, while we're on the receivers, and then I know Brian. I, I got to be like, honest. I'm not going to sit here and, and put put the guy in, in camp. Wait, no, yet, they, right? I, I'm like sort of in the host chair in this one, and I'm gonna. I want a definitive answer. I want to take from you. I don't want to. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that's what happens when I get in the host chair. Uh, real quick, before we move on from the receivers, just tell me what you saw from Tyquan Thornton yep. today, both the catch and the injury. Yeah, really. Uh, look, we we've been very. I've been very disappointed. I want to speak for you. I to Tyquan Thornton because he's the exact kind of player that drives me up an absolute wall. You see all the physical potential in the world. Like he's got all of the of the potential in the world to be a legitimate field stretching deep threat in the NFL. But he is very inconsistent with his route running, uh, which is something that they can work on with him if he's available. Uh, but he's not always available. So like that, it's just really a, a difficult situation with him. Uh, he had maybe uh, in Tucker, uh, you know, Moss Rasul Douglas. Uh, he had maybe the play of the day early in practice uh, running a deep over route uh, where he laid out and made a diving catch and uh, hit a, a big play down the field. And on that play, he landed hard and he gets up and all of a sudden he's getting looked at by the trainers. Like, and we're all, you know, sitting there watching and we're like, he had a, a 40, 50 yard bomb from Mac Jones, exactly what you want to see. And then immediately gets hurt. And uh, it looked like it was a sh- issue. And uh, you know, Alex, uh, we talked about that. Yeah. You hope that it's not the clavicle again, right? Mm-hmm. You hope it's not. So I, I, I'm, I have not been able to find this all day, and I meant to ask you when we did the last show, which shoulder did he hurt? Yeah, that's a good question. We should know this. We're, we're what do you reporters. mean you don't know? You were there. We should be better than this. Oh, oh, today. Today, you mean. Oh, today. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying uh, to find which one it was last year. But Today, he hurt the right shoulder. The right okay. shoulder. I want to say last year was left, but that's not uh, – I don't know. That's just what I think. I'm, yeah. I'm looking it up. But, all right, he hurt – I couldn't find it all today. Um nobody's saying which which shoulder was so it was the left shoulder from today today was the right shoulder or today was the right okay today was the, the right, right shoulder. okay so the, uh, that's the thing with him is he, is he gonna be tough and we knew this with his frame to begin with but i think what's weird you know last year in the preseason he got hurt being tackled to the ground that makes sense like he got hit pretty hard and he, and he got injured and uh, this one he just got hurt by the ground like he just dove for to make a catch and he got hurt uh died for that so it's it doesn't matter like it's either we all were worried about oh well if he gets lit up coming over the middle of is, is he going to be able to withstand it uh, and now he's getting hurt just like diving to the ground and, and getting hurt on the turf i'm not like i don't have any inside information or anything i don't know how severe the injury was uh, but obviously he didn't return to practice and uh it, it looked like another shoulder clavicle collar bone type probably more of like a, a ac joint sprain or or, or break not like a gasicki who had the decision I, I think this was more of like a, a bone situation okay so remind me again which shoulder it was right shoulder today. Today. Right, right shoulder today okay Maybe so I, last year i found hang on i found the video from last year and he grabs at the left shoulder okay okay so i mean but like Yes, that's better, I suppose. But the point being is that 
his shoulders can't stay healthy, right? Like he, Not good. right? Yeah, yeah, like he can't. He keeps. If he if he had a, has another collarbone injury, then it's the same injury as last year. So it, it just it's so does I I get so frustrated by it because it's just like <clears throat> you see that like he makes this great play and then immediately gets hurt, and that's just the Taekwondo yeah. Thornton experience. Yep. All right. Well, speaking of shoulders and pass catchers. No Mike Kosicki the last two days. So what have you seen? How have they kind of replaced him? Is it like a Matt Sokol, Anthony Ferkser? Are they going more, you know, 11 with three wide receivers? What have you you kind of seen there with no Mike Kosicki? Yeah, we have seen a lot of 11, uh, but uh, Anthony Ferkser is is climbing the depth chart in in, uh, Kosicki's place right now. They've done a little bit of everything in terms of Henry playing more detached, uh, Ferkser playing more detached. Like, it hasn't necessarily been consistent of which guy is playing which role as, like, the hand-in-the-dirt tight end versus the guy that's standing up. But uh, Ferkser has been involved. Uh, he's made some catches underneath the defense. He's not a burner. Like, he's yeah. explosive, like, seam runner like Kasiki is uh, who can make plays down the field. But I think he's a serviceable safety blanket. You know, check it down in the flat to him. You know, sit routes over the middle – and then he's a decent blocker from like a couple different spots, whether it's at the fullback position, back in line. So I've liked his game. I had him on my roster uh, already uh, in my last roster projection as the third tight end. I just think with these two guys, uh, Henry and Gasicki, you know, knock on wood, they've been lucky with Henry uh, that he's been really durable since they signed him. But he's in the past, and Gasicki's obviously had injuries in the past. Uh, so I, I think in not that respect that it's probably best to keep three tight ends if they can figure it out. And I think Ferks are right now, uh, Matt Suckles had a, you know, like Connor McDermott on the offensive line, Matt Suckles like a rock. So I haven't necessarily uh, seen anything from him uh, the last couple of days or even like, you know, the two days in Foxborough here. So it's been the Ferkser show, a lot of Henry, obviously, as per usual, but a lot of Anthony Ferkser. Yeah, I, I, you mentioned McDermott. I'm kind of, you know, he wasn't at practice today, and I'm not saying that he's going to totally save their offensive line, but I don't know that they're in a spot where they can be throwing away uh, NFL offensive line talent. Evan, I, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to phrase this question a little different than I did to you earlier. Uh, Brandon Anderson of Action Network has the pay, he ranked the uh, best offensive lines in the league earlier today. Okay. He is the Patriots' 10th. Now, I'm getting ripped on Twitter for saying that's too high. Granted, it's not going to be as bad as it's been because they are going to get guys back. But from what you've seen out there against another defense, and as you pointed out earlier, Rashawn Gary, the Packers' best pass rusher, not taking part in uh, practices. Is there do is there a path to the Patriots having a top 10 offensive line in the league this year? Because that would be, I mean, if that happens, they should make the playoffs. Okay, so... Yeah, there's a path. Like we can talk ourselves into pretty much anything uh, with who they uh, have on the roster. No, they they're not going out and trading for Trent Williams with who they have no, on the roster right it, now. With who they have on the roster, if Trent Brown is like 2018 Trent Brown, and okay. Cole Strange is the guy that we saw in the last month of the season, and not the guy that got taken off the field against the Jets and the Colts, and Mike Onwenu is healthy. And if said I just laid out all of a sudden be go all break in their direction, then Didn't yeah, mention they, right tackle. Uh, they well, I, I still That's think the what ifs. Uh, but I still think even with right tackle, like if you have four really good linemen in the other four spots, like you'll figure it tackle because you can, you know, you okay. So that's our weak spot. We slide everything that direction. We, uh, you know, do different things to to help the right tackle or whatever the case may be. 
I think that that's doable. My whole take with the offensive line has always been if they can have a sturdy interior uh, with strange Andrews and Onwenu with a pocket quarterback that they can survive. Like he'll, if he can, if Matt can take shallow drops and he can step up in the pocket and then get the ball out quickly, then, you know, we know that they, you can mitigate edge rush with that Brady 25 years. So like, you know, that you can do it that way. Uh, but you have to really be rock solid in that middle. And that's why for years with Brady, uh, you know, they kept Shaq Mason, David Andrews, and Joe Tooney together was because that was the, the core of their offensive line. And right now it's so hard to judge the patience of line because they don't have their core together. The right tackle concerns are legit. Uh, that's going to be a spot that they're going to have to protect and scheme around. And we have to see Trent Brown do it 17 games again, like 18. Like if he's not going to play like he did in 18 uh, or even 19 where he was okay with the Raiders and it's going to be more like last year, uh, then both tackle spots become a little bit of a, of a weak point. So I'm still worried about tackle. I, I have O'Brien and I also think that they should have a better line than what they've thrown out in practice the last couple of weeks as well. How's a city. So looked out there. Cause you know, they, that's been a thing before they left. And yeah. even that, that preseason game at, at right tackle, I didn't think he looked great in the preseason, but I don't know how, how you thought he looked in the preseason. And then has he looked, you know, has he held his own at, at right tackle against green Bay? Yeah, I didn't think he looked too great last Thursday night either, but I, I was talking to, you know, our offensive line expert in the media, Greg Bedard, about so, and he uh, he he seemed a little bit more optimistic about so than me. I I, I, I don't know. I, I have a tough time with players like so because I think in general, he, he's a converted guard. So, like, if there's one thing that I really want to see out of him, it's play strength. Like, he should be able to – hold up play strength wise, and then also move people in the run game. And we didn't necessarily see that in the preseason game, which is not exactly great. And then obviously he's got a long way to go in terms of his technique and pass protection because he's learning a whole new technique being outside. So uh, I'm a little bit uh, weary of, of so uh, being like a serious contri- – if he's your starting right tackle week one and he's got his thing off his right side, I'm going to be luck. concerned. I'm going to be my, really, really concerned. But in terms of him being like a developmental tackle that they can work with and maybe uh, year two, year three, uh, he's a, a serious consideration to start. That's a different story. But I just think if you're in week one, uh, then you have a – that's one of the worst starting right tackles in the league if City sows your, your right tackle in week one. All right, I do want to get some defense talk in because we didn't do enough of that on Catch-22. But because uh, yeah. for the people who missed that one, your, your thoughts on Zeke so yep. far as a Patriot. I was uh, really encouraged by what I saw today from Zeke. I I thought he ran hard. I I think he's uh, in better shape than Twitter does. I know yesterday we, we started, uh, you know, we shared a lot of pictures of him and and people were calling him fat and things like that. Uh, I don't think he, I I think he's pretty good. Obviously not in football shape yet, but all things considered, uh, you get thrown into a joint practice as your first padded practice. And I thought that he held his own. He had a couple touchdowns inside the 10 yard line, and that's going to certainly be a big role for him. He ran a few routes as well. I mean, it looks like when he gets out in the open field and if he has any burst to run uh, you know, away from guys or uh, anything like that. But in terms of how hard he ran, I thought he ran really hard. I thought he ran with good power, good physicality, good energy. And I, I loved what I saw 
saw from him, mate. Like, I think that that's uh, something that shouldn't be underrated with a veteran guy like this. And didn't bear a shake this offseason with how the contract worked out and the running back market worked out. But uh, he was uh, right involved. And he met these guys like two days ago, right? So it's pretty cool to see him like cheering for JJ Taylor. Like when, like when did Zeke Elliott ever interact with JJ Taylor until he got on the team playing on Tuesday. Right. So I think that those things are always cool. Yeah. I thought it was encouraging that he was out there. I figured they might give him a week. We'll see him in yeah. Tennessee maybe, but their participating right out of the bat was a good sign, but let's get to the defense. But before we do so, we will hear from our friends over at FanDuel. Because I will tell you that football season is about to kick off and FanDuel's giving you a chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. That's a good deal. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl. You'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. 21 plus and present in MA. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com backslash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline MA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Okay. Okay. First of all, before I let you get back, you guys have commercials now. Like you're not just doing live ad reads in the middle of the show. You know how many times I've messed up doing a lad read in my, wow, that, that, that's great. I'm glad for you guys, but like that will save me a lot of time. There's some where like I read it, but it's still a commercial. It's his voice. It goes from like me introducing the commercial into me reading the commercial. I, I hate it. I hate it. It's very unsettling. Wow. Where look at how far we've come. All right. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to. All right. Um defense. Let's move over there. There's a specific corner I want to ask you about, but before I get to him, uh Christian Gonzalez, what have you seen the last two days? I know there was that play online that you know Christian Watson, that lawn ball. Seemed like he kind of rebounded nicely today. It looked like he had a pass breakup near the end of practice there. But what have you seen from him going up against, you know, some two guys like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs this week? Yeah, uh, Christian Watson in particular has been extremely impressive. He He's a really good player that I think is going to be a, a really good player uh, this year. Explosive, uh, big guy, can move though like has a lot of wiggle at the top of the route for a six foot three receiver. And and obviously we know about the straight line speed. I think Gonzalez has held up pretty well in press man, you know, when he's uh, got that ability to just man up guys and he's more press guys, not going to really like, you know, get into people's faces too much at the line of scrimmage. He's more going to play that basketball mirroring guys. Uh, but I think he's really effective in man coverage. Uh, every time Christian Gonzalez gives up a play, it feels like it's in zone or off man where he's got to work with more space and have to, he has to learn how to operate in space a little bit better on the touchdown that he gave up to Gonzalez, uh, to Watson. I, they're both Christians. It's very confusing. Uh, the one that he gave up to Watson, uh, I think you could probably put a little bit of blame pie in both Jalen Mills. And, uh, I did it again. Christian Gonzalez is, uh, you know, figured out on that one, <laughs> uh, you know, Jalen Mills had, had, uh, you know, the middle of the, 
and Christian Gonzalez was on the deep third. I think the biggest thing with Gonzalez that I, I see in zone is he just gets a little bit sucked into the trash and in the middle of the field. And, and sometimes like it takes the eye candy that they want him to take a little bit too often when he's eyes on the quarterback. So uh, they ran like a little bit of an underneath crosser and they ran the deep crosser over the top and Christian Gonzalez was on the side of the formation uh, from Watson at the start of the snap. And instead of just getting depth on the deep third and letting the guy go underneath him, uh, he he got sucked up closer to the line of scrimmage. And then once he realized that Christian Watson was on the deep over from the other side of the formation, he saw the, oh, shoot, and like tried to get back and make the play. And it was just too late. Uh, so they got to get him a little bit cleaner in zone. But uh, he moves so well out there in man. And, and he's he's really solid in man. The, the pass breakup he had today against Wicks was in man coverage. Uh, so I, I don't think that there's any concern about him long term. Uh, this is more about getting him more well versed in zone and also in their system zone. The one, all right. So the I had one corner. There's a lot of that depth cornerback talk, right? Someone yeah. behind Jack Jones, Christian Gonzalez on the boundary. It's been a lot of the rookies, Isaiah Bolden, and Amir Speed, but I feel like Sean Wade's name just keeps popping up. Like uh, on Twitter, yeah. he had a few pass breakups. It looked like uh, against Green Bay. He had, a, I thought, a pretty good game inside against Houston against John Mechie. What have you, what have you seen from Wade? And is this the guy who maybe is starting to make a push for a roster spot here? Yeah, I, I actually really think he is, and I'm trying to watch Sean Wade a little bit more. Uh, this week and next week because I really liked what he put on film against the Texans. And I feel like he's warranted to get some more buzz and some more love actually making the 53 man roster. Uh, I think the biggest thing with him is that if they let him play inside, then he's going to be serviceable. He's not an outside corner. He was an outside yeah. corner at Ohio state, got burnt out there playing outside corner and gets burned and playing outside corner. Uh, it's a, a little bit like Jalen Mills, where he's just a better player inside. Uh, he doesn't have the speed, the long speed, the carry routes down the field from the outside. But when he plays in the slot, he's got a little bit more size uh, than like a Miles Bryan or a Marcus Jones. He can play a little bit of speed and play a little bit of slot corner. Uh, I really like what he can bring to the table in, in that respect. Uh, I think it's tough for him because they not that they've invested big in bold in their speed, but they did use draft picks on those two guys. And those two guys have a lot of potential as well. So corner deep and they love miles Bryant. So, uh, you know, you're talking about keeping six or seven corners. That's a lot of CBs to keep, but I would, uh, Sean Wade, if he has another good, uh, preseason game on Saturday night, and then obviously in Tennessee, as somebody that might be able to push Miles Bryan off the roster. I just wonder, is he far enough away, far enough removed from the draft evaluation process that he's a guy they could get on the practice squad and bring back? Are there going to be teams clamoring to add Sean Wade to their 53-man roster? I think it depends because if he plays it well in the preseason again, uh, you know, these next two games, and he does it playing inside – then I think there's going to be teams that are like, well, we knew he was corner all along. Like that's where he played well at Ohio state and people have just been playing him out of position this whole time. So that's not really on him. I, I don't, I understand. I, I kind of agree with you. I, I think that it ultimately they could probably chance it with the crowd, 
but I, I just I look at him as somebody that has just been miscast his really since his last year at Ohio State. Yeah. And and some team is going to pick him up and and say whether it's the Patriots or it's his next team if he gets cut here and say, well, if we play him in the slot where he belongs, then he has really good film in, in the slot from college and from the pros. All right. How about Marte Mapu? Finally out of the non-contact jersey. He's out there hitting. Is he looking the part? He is looking the part so far. It's not a, a huge sample. And uh, he's somebody that I, I'll definitely be zeroing in on on Saturday night. And uh, hopefully we got to see him in a game so that we can put it on film, be able to dissect it as we do from there. Uh, but I think the biggest thing with him is that uh, his physicality is is present uh, at all times, but they still they like him on the tight ends. I, I don't. I, I It drives me crazy. It's I'm just not going to agree with them on, uh, which is fine. You know, there's Bill Belichick and I'm, I'm me. So like, go ahead and do your thing, I suppose. Uh, but, uh, you know, they like them on the tight ends. I, I do think that they have some concerns or maybe not concern is the right word, but just they're going to play more in the middle of the field as a, as a zone safety, like, you know, a center fielder, robber, like that sort of thing uh, to turn the football over, which we all want them to do that more often, I think. Uh, but if it's at the expense of Mapu playing a man on, on tight ends more often, it kind of stinks. I would just love to see, and, and be next to Dewan Bentley and be that sideline to sideline, Matt Milano, Deion Jones, like that guy that we've all been clamoring for instead of putting him like the Patrick Chung role where he's just covering tight ends. Maybe that's where Jalen Mills comes. Mills can be more. Uh, instead and and then that would free up Mapu to play more mm-hmm. linebacker but I hope that they settle on him being at the second level but so far I am on tight ends in these practices and either they have some good tight ends uh, Musgrave has been pretty good uh, he's he's been threatening the team a lot uh, against the Patriots defense uh, I had one today that I thought Jordan Love missed the throw and probably should have been uh, caught for maybe a touchdown and uh, Josiah Degura is not not you know no slap. So uh, they've had some some good tight ends here in Green Bay, and it's been a good battle. But uh, I like Mapu, you know that. I just I, I would just want to see him play linebacker. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, you you said something else in there though that that I, I meant to bring up. You said that they're they're using Mapu in a way that like you don't agree with, but this is what they're going to do. So they're going to do it. Yeah, I saw a couple of mentions today to go back yeah. to the corners that Miles Bryant was covering Christian Watson. Why? <laughs> okay, was that so, was that zone? Was that a switch? Because yeah, people know this. I like Miles Bryant better than most. Christian Watson, not tall Christian and fast. Miles Bryant. <laughs> Not tall, not fast. There are matchups for him. Manning up on Christian Watson is not it. If that is something that they think he has in his bag, that's going to be a problem. Okay, no. I, I wouldn't, like, get too carried away. Like, obviously, they're not really, like, game planning. Uh, the, the, so I don't really think that they're looking at it, like, that deeply about matchups. But uh, on that play, Christian Watson was uh, running out of a stack. So he was the offline okay. receiver in the stack. So essentially, in that 
situation, he was the Z. And I think Miles Bryant just happened to be the guy supposed to be covering the Z in that package. And it just happened to be Christian Watson. I, I really like L- Matt LaFleur. He does a lot of different things that make uh, defense's life tough with, uh, you know, releases and uh, obviously window dressing or eye candy or whatever mm-hmm. with all the motion and stuff like that in the backfield. And mm-hmm. some of that stuff has given the Patriots defense a little bit of problems. Oh, if there's one thing that I can say, you know, yesterday more so than today, but if there's one thing that I can say that like that's something the Patriots defense will come away from these two practices and need to work on. It's how to handle some of the leverage, uh, you know, conflicts that they're going to be put into, and their and their like they're uh, with their with their corners, and they need that help. Like they need the inside help from the either uh, the linebacker level or the robber level of the top at safety. And uh, that's still, I think, a work in progress of uh, figuring out where it's going to come from or not in certain situations. And there's a ton of communication that's going on. And yesterday was was more pronounced than today. Yesterday, uh, they got an earful from from Mike Pellegrino at one point. Uh, the secondary did because they were they were not not playing in sound football. So uh, I think you know, they'll try to coach up after this. All right. One more thing on the secondary. I we've talked a lot about how they're going to play replace Devin McCourty, both on the field and off the field. And I think you look at that leadership intangible that he brought. And I think he was in some ways a tone setter. Now it's a very different tone, but is Jabril Pepper starting to fill some of that void? Because just reading the reports today, it felt like he was the guy that was setting the tone for the secondary. Just having watched Jabril Pepper since he was at Michigan, me personally, that's a guy I want setting the tone. I love the tone that he sets. No BS, no nonsense. He is coming on the field to punch you in the mouth. And I would love it if he's going to take on kind of that tone-setting role for the defense because I think that need that would be great if you have guys like him, you've got like Keon White, you've got like Juwan Bentley, if those are the guys setting the tone for your defense, that you should be afraid when you come on the field as an offensive player. I think that's what those guys will do. Yeah, Jabril Peppers is a lot of fun to watch. Like we're not, you guys know, we're not allowed to report on like what they say on the field i wish i could yeah. tell you what he was saying to jair alexander and what jair alexander is saying back i'll tell you off the air sorry to all the yeah, listeners it uh it, it was <laughs> hilarious and just awesome uh two guys that love to talk like jair alexander is a big, big trash it, it was awesome to see them go back and forth and I, I think Jabril Peppers is an energizer bunny. Like he's definitely a tone setter. He's definitely a physical tone setter in terms of the way that he plays, but also uh, he, he's got a lot of, of spice to him in terms of how he carries himself and the way that he talks. And uh, it, I, I thought that, you know, not to point any fingers at the Packers, but uh, they took some exception to like Keon White, just basically like manhandling some people uh, and uh, like, you know, boohoo, uh, like, sorry that he's like, like you know 280 pounds and like hard to block like that's the nfl and uh i i think for the most part the patriots were kind of hackers not saying that that's always what was going on but i think with peppers uh you definitely see a little bit of that 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 tone setting that gee that juice and uh yeah him and jair alexander if they have like this was like hard knocks and those guys were mic'd up for that that would be must vision that was that all right, you mentioned him there quickly, Keon White. It was worth noting. Looked like he got banged up a little bit. I 
thought there were some reports yeah. that like he stayed on the sidelines, so maybe nothing too serious. Is that what you saw? And then what did you see while he was out there? Because he was so good, you know, last Thursday. Was he kind of building off that? And what did you see on the injury? Yeah, so yesterday he absolutely cleaned out uh, one of the vices on the uh, – as a like basically uh, I think he was, was – he wasn't a, a gunner, but like he was covering a punt and somebody over from the Packers like that got like oohs and ahs like from the crowd, you know. <laughs> And this is this 280-285, like, in space, just being able to – and I just – I think that's what surprised me the most about him is I look at his body type and I'm like, there's no way this guy can stand up at the end of the line of scrimmage and, like, play as, like, a Judon outside linebacker. But he's so athletic that he somehow is able to do it. That's been incredible to see. And I, I thought that he was playing great and – uh, the injury didn't look very serious. Uh, I think that he, you know, he he stayed on the sideline. He didn't go back into team drills, uh, but he was watching as a spectator. And this injury that they wanted to get x-rayed or something like that, he would have just left immediately and gone and done that. So I think you can breathe a sigh of relief with Keon White. I'm not sure we're going to see him on Saturday night. They might play it safe, but I don't think that that's going to be like a long-term injury or anything like that. All right, I want to look ahead to Saturday night a little bit because this is our last show before the game. But it is that part of the show now where you have to break Brian's heart and tell him what yeah. you told me earlier on Catch-22 about I heart. heard it's not looking good. I heard it's, it's not, not looking, looking good, good for your boy, Brian. I, <laughs> I don't called you out on Catch-22 when he said this to me before. Really? I did. I did. I gave you a shout-out. I, I don't know what's going on with Bryce Berenger, but – it hasn't been pretty the last two days and it, it wasn't very pretty at, when at we home. saw him. Yeah. The last yeah. few days in Gillette, it wasn't that pretty either. And he shanked one Thursday in the game. So he, he's got a little bit of yips. I, I don't know what it is. And uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a punting expert like, like you and Alex. So you guys can, can tell me about the, the technique and everything that that's going on with him. See him on Saturday night, but obviously we all know that that punting is like a golf swing and like you got to do it over and over and over. once if you lose it if you have like some sort of issue with your swing and it just drives you crazy and you have to go ahead and fix it for the next you know two months so that that's sort of what you hope is not happening with him because once that can go once you lose that and it kind of starts to go off the rail have like a caddyshack situation where playing catch up so i or is it tin cup which what? one is it yeah okay so you're gonna use this golf analogy but you Big don't know so that doesn't year. make any sense right you're, oh you guys know about punting so i'll talk about golf which is my <laughs> expertise i've been trying to get you to golf for two years so you don't do it it, it isn't it is a two-person competition is so, it, is it like right, tin cup or caddyshack you didn't answer my question oh caddy I, I don't know what movie you were referencing that was way too vague of a reference uh those are both golf movies yeah yes. i don't know which one it is we're all like I think like you're talking over. about Tim Cut. Tim yeah. I think okay. you maybe the chat okay. can help us. Greatest game ever played. Whatever. Um, <laughs> it's a two-man competition. How does Corliss Waitman look? I think that's the other part of this that you have to bring in. Well, so Corliss Waitman, uh, he let off the drills today, which I think okay. we sometimes look into as media as I just saw the life leave Brian's eyes. <laughs> is is that's that the first Q- time he's done that this year? I think right, like is it QB one? You're right, you know, situation, right? Yeah. So. Uh, that that's a that's a difficult one to swallow for you, Brian. Everything is uh, 
you know, with Corliss Waitman, uh, his times are consistent, uh, but there's no, there's no ceiling. Like it's just four seconds on the dot every single time he punts the football. But with Beringer, you can see the leg, and we all know that he's. I, what I worry about with Beringer, and, and I I know your question was about Waitman, that but I would just remember how quickly Jake Bailey lost it. Like all of a sudden he went from an all pro punter to not being able to punt the football. And like, just like that, they obviously put him on IR was injury related for a little bit, but then he came back and it was still bad. So Hmm. you just worry with those types of guys that it just, you lose it. And then it never comes back. I I don't know if Corliss Waitman is ready to push him just yet, but I think they, they need to figure out, you know, Joe Houston and Cam Accord and Joe Judge need to figure out what the heck is going on with Beringer. Jake Bailey beat out Michael Turk down there in Miami. Wasn't that was that your that guy? That was my Alex? guy. Michael Turk Michael was Turk? my guy from, wait, so they, from the Shrine Bowl. Wait, he was wait, good. Wait. So they cut if Beringer can't that's kick, get, get Michael Turk back. I believe Michael Turk is a free agent right now. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe they should be getting Michael Turk here then to, yeah. to compete so with I'll Bear tell you this. Turk. He he had a good relationship with Cam Accord. He really did at the Shrine Bowl. So if yeah. they need a leg, uh, he would be a guy. All right, Evan. Uh, not just what are you looking for on Saturday? Because obviously it's the whole preseason peepers peeled thing. But like specifically that maybe building off of the last game or something we didn't get a chance to see in the last game. What are you looking for on Saturday? Well, I, I do think, and, uh, you know, I know Mac Jones uh, in the starting offense uh, got a lot of run in the last couple of days, but I'm going to see a little bit of Mac uh, on Saturday night. No inside information, just a hunch. But I, I think that what you see often in these preseasons now is like the second preseason game is just dip your toe in the water, you know, get the cobwebs out, take a few hits, get back out there without the red con- non-contact jersey. Him maybe for a couple drives. Obviously, if he has a great first drive and they march right down the field, it, okay, we'll we'll see you in Nashville, Mac. But I, I think in terms of uh, this game, we'll see Mac for maybe a first drive. Uh, then I think we're going to see for the rest of the, of the first half from there. And then I think it's going to be the Malik Cunningham slash Trace McSorley show in the second half. But I'm I'm excited to see what we we can see from the starting offense. Obviously, it makes our life a lot easier once you can go back and dissect the film and see what everybody looks like and where everybody things like that. So that'll be good. Uh, but I hope uh, that they take what they did today and, and set what they were doing today and not like what they did yesterday. You know, so that that's going to be the big question is can they keep the arrow pointing upward? But I think you see for a drive or two on Saturday and then I, I think they have to play Mac for at least for the first half against the Titans. I think it's important for new offensive system. Uh, Juju's a new guy. Offensive line has some new faces. I think for those guys to build some chemistry. Because they'll have almost like two weeks after that last game or like a week yeah. and a half, right? Now that they don't have that fourth preseason game. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a weird situation, I think. And I, I still don't really like it. Like, I, I don't know really what the solution is because – uh, teams aren't going to want to push back training camp a week because they want to practice it a time. But at the same time, this gap uh, in between, uh, it's almost two full weeks, I, I think, before yeah. uh, you have a game. So so it'll be, they'll play Friday 
roster cuts will be Tuesday, and then their next game will be the next Sunday. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah over two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Two plus yeah. weeks. All right, one one last quick thing. You mentioned him there, uh, Malik Cunningham. Are we gonna see him still at quarterback? Was that what they were doing in, in Green Bay? More of what we saw the last two days uh, here in Foxborough, like that that package at, at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, so not today as much. Today was a lot of uh, of Mac and Zap. I think exclusively. I, I don't even know if Trace McSorley threw a pass uh, on Thursday, but yesterday uh, Malik Cunningham did have four reps at four, all hit all run plays, two handoffs, two, uh, two keepers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yet I think that they're, they're experimenting with this thing. I, I don't know how real it's going to be. Uh, you know, I joked at the Alex that like, he's getting his wish that their Patriots are turning into a college football team. Cause they're going to have like their back and their running quarterback and they're going to have two kickers. And like, it's just going to be a college football uh, program. <laughs> but I, I think with Cunningham, uh, they're, they're trying out a little, uh, this package because, I think on the goal line and short yardage, they're not necessarily going to roster a James Devlin. Like they're not going to have that traditional fullback. So uh, to be more efficient on, on third and fourth and one goal line carries, uh, the best way to do it is to probably have a running quarterback. It, it just makes the most sense from a, a numbers point of view. And that's all it is. It's just our, how many hats do we have and how many hats do they have? And if you have, the quarterback can run now you're plus one on every play and that's an advantage. So I think that they're trying to see if it will work, if they can do it without compromising what they're going to be 5% of the time and, and so on and so forth. But it's an interesting package to say the least. And I'll tell you this too. You mentioned Malik Cunningham didn't play a ton today. We know Bill Belichick's thing about how it's not just the game. The reps are distributed evenly between the, the joint practices in the game. So not seeing a lot of Malik Cunningham tells me, and I guess Trace McSorley too, but like, I think Malik Cunningham is going to get a lot more than just one drive in this game. I, yeah. I, I wonder if you see like Mac for like a drive or two, Bailey Zappi finishes out the first quarter and then it's Trace in the third and Malik in the fourth or. Yeah. I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I, I don't know how much Trace McSorley we're going to see at all. Like, or, or maybe it's that. Think, maybe it's it, maybe it's Mac for the first drive or two, Zappy for the rest of the first half, and then Malik Cunningham gets the whole second half. Yeah, I think that that might be. And I, I don't know if they are ready to to have Malik Cunningham play a whole half because you have to think. You know, when they played him in that one drive, they basically ran the same three plays over and over again. So I don't know if they necessarily have anything more in their bag for Malik Cunningham to go out there and run like 40 offensive plays. And it's just the same three plays. I, I don't know if that's how they necessarily want to go about it. But at this point, I, I mean, we'd all rather see Malik Cunningham, no offense to Trace McSorley, uh, but we'd all rather see Malik Cunningham in this game. And I can't imagine that their thinking is much different. Like they kind of know that Trace McSorley is like a fringe practice squad backup quarterback. And everything exciting with Cunningham. So I, I would like to see them play Cunningham. I think we all would. Yep. Alex is dreaming of that college offense. He sent me like every Penn State touchdown that was in T formation earlier this morning, dreaming about a backfield of Zeke Elliott, Mondre, and Malik Cunningham. So. Oh my God. Well, that that's that's the that's the college thing, right? With Tebow, wasn't it like Chris Leak and Tebow or something like that? Like well, the, 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 my favorite. Is the Belldozer Blake Bell at Oklahoma oh, with uh, I think that was with Bradford, but I'm not positive. 
Right. These college teams, they have like their between the twenties pocket passer quarterback, and then they have like their, their specialty running quarterback. I, I, right. I, I, Bill Belichick has always said that he's like, that's not going to happen. You know, like like a two quarterback guy ever, because it doesn't necessarily work in the NFL. I think we've seen that over the years in the NFL, but I I don't know. Maybe, Maybe he's changed his mind. He had James Franklin up in the spring. Install that T formation. But um, all right, that'll do it from here on the Patriots Beat Podcast. Evan, thank you so much for joining us today. If you're not already following Evan, go follow him on Twitter at Easy Lazar. Go read all of his work over at Patriots.com. Me and Alex will be back at some point over the next few days to recap the Patriots' second preseason game against the Green Bay Packers. But until then, thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you guys next time.